Welcome to The Real Game, a podcast by coaches for coaches. I am your host, Matt Philbrick. Welcome back to this episode of The Real Game. It's good to be back in the saddle today, or in my case, in the lawn chair. Uh, after being gone for a couple of weeks, I am going to jump right into things here today and introduce my guest to you in just a moment. Um, as I've mentioned multiple times throughout the 15 previous episodes of this podcast, I do uh, coach at a small Christian school in southeastern Pennsylvania. And throughout that time of coaching, I've been coaching here on and off for the last 13 years. I've gotten to know some of the other coaches in the league. It's a pretty small league. Um, there's, you know, well, year to year, it just depends, but anywhere from 10 to 13 other teams and other coaches to, to get to know. But I'm excited to have a couple of my fellow coaches on with me tonight. Um, first of all, Colin Fisher from Westchester Christian Academy in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and Brian Barth from Upper Bucks Christian School in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. So it's good to have each of you on the show. Uh, welcome. Um, I I have enjoyed the not just the coaching rivalries and stuff, but the the opportunity to get to know you guys and really uh, consider you as friends. And um, I know when we're on the basketball court, we're coaching against each other. But you know, in in the game of life, there's there definitely are bigger things at stake. And I think we're all, all on the same page there trying to accomplish the same thing. So it's good to have each of you on here. Colin, I'm going to start with you. Um, just introduce yourself briefly. Tell me a little bit about your coaching journey, where you started and where you're where you're at now. And I will say for the audience that can't see you, that you look like you're about 15 years old. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. That's, uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Colin Fisher. Um, so I'm actually only about three years into my coaching journey. Um, so still very new. Uh, I always knew I wanted to coach. My my dad was a coach for like 25 plus years. And he really uh, was the one who kind of inspired me and, and got me into coaching. Um, as a, a senior in high school, I was actually the assistant coach for the middle school team and just trying to get in involved in, in any way I could. Uh, but uh, ultimately now working in the corporate world, like I never thought I would get a chance to coach, uh, this early in life. Um, but the year was 2020, uh, I was 24 years old and working from home because of COVID. And that's mm -hmm. really when I got the call and it just, everything worked out from there. work allowed me to be flexible. Um, and I really haven't looked back. So it's only been three seasons, but it's, it's been such a roller coaster. Every season has been so different in its own way. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's, I hope we can keep it going uh, here for a long time. Yeah, definitely. And and in those three seasons, you've experienced a lot of a lot of great things. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you won a championship your first year. Last year, I know it was rough for you with some injuries and stuff like that. You had a great season this year, and we're back in the championship game again. So you've you've really enjoyed some success in a short amount of time there. I try. I mean, yeah. great guys, uh, great guys. I can definitely get into more of the details. Um, 
but it's, it's just been so much fun, even through the ups and downs, just like being able to stick with these guys. Um, I I made one comment to the guys earlier this season that is kind of stuck in in their mind. It's like, I would, I would rather lose with you guys than win with anybody else. And I mean that, and Mm -hmm. I I think that's um, been true for, for even them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Brian, let's move on to you. You've been there at Bucks for a little bit longer than Colin has been at Westchester. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how long that's been, but tell us and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you started coaching and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the time and it's always good to hang out with friends. Like you said earlier, we coach against each other, but there's also the friendship there and that's that's just as valuable to me. Um, so I actually had the opportunity to start coaching as an assistant coach with our middle school team. Um, there was an opening, my job schedule worked out in such a way that I could help. Um, I wasn't looking to get into coaching. I'd always had good coaches throughout my, my years of playing. So I always remember the value and, and skills and just the challenges that they brought to me. So when this opportunity came up to help in the middle school, I jumped on it. And uh, probably about two years after that, um, varsity coach asked for some help as well. So I was kind of balancing middle school and varsity. And then the one season, our varsity coach ended up having a job change. And so I was asked to step in as the varsity basketball coach for that one season. And that one season has now, I think this is my eighth year coming up. So it's kind of been a, a joy, a pleasure. Again, it wasn't the path I was looking for, but I'm glad I was, was on this path. And I, it's, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I'm glad I got the opportunity. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been about, about eight years now. Okay. Excellent. So, you know, we none of us coach at big schools. Like, you know, um, probably range in the 150 to three-something range. So, you know, in terms of schools, that's not real big. Um, we each have challenges from year to year that that come with that. Brian, what are some of the biggest challenges you face season to season with your guys or your teams? Yeah, uh, I'd say one of the challenges, obviously, is it's a different era. So there's a lot of technology now that these kids have that we didn't have growing up. So I found that to be um, sometimes the kids are more interested in in, in that than, than putting maybe the time in in the offseason. Um, also, uh, when you have a, a smaller school, a lot of your athletes play multiple sports. And so some years it's just hard to get them to commit to all the sports. It's different challenges, maybe it's whether it's family or just maybe academics, things like that. And then, uh, and lastly, I think one of the challenges too is sometimes uh, just the kids lose a little bit of interest and they might take a season off and then all of a sudden regain that fire and come back. So the challenge can be at times just from a continuity, you want to have them each year. So there's that growth. And when you have those gap years, it just hurts them a little bit and also hurts the team so each year you try to reach out to them at the end of the season almost do like an exit interview unofficially just right, to try to get right. a camp. and uh yeah, that's just probably the best way i've learned to do it is try to get that general commitment so you kind of know how to plan okay yep what about you colin what are some what are some challenges that you face from year to year in your short time coaching there well you mentioned a range of like 150 to 300 students we're not even at the low end of that range so yeah. um you know our biggest challenge is always the pool of players mm-hmm. um you know our high school really is is not growing uh so it's very rare to get a new player coming into our school so really sustaining a, a solid program year after year becomes challenging um and then if you think about going into an off season and trying to get guys um, to continue playing, well, you know, if my pool of players is only maybe seven or eight strong, uh, we're just going to be more limited in what we can do. 
Um, now, being low on numbers has never been an excuse for us, and, and we will never let it be. But uh, from the standpoint of trying to build something sustainable year after year, you, you can't be wondering whether you're going to field a team. Uh, so that definitely is is the biggest hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that must be challenging. Um, you know, I know the pool of guys here isn't that big, and our school is much larger. So it it must be challenging from year to year to wonder if you're a going to have a team who's going to be coming out, who you're going to have to beg to come out so that the other guys can play. Um, you know, we've all been there and down, been down that road before. So um, was, you say use the word rare a minute ago. And I want to say what's what's rare about your team, Colin, is ever since I've been here, you've had a Gingery boy on your team um, since I can remember. And I literally started here in 2010 and there were guys on the team then and they're, they're still there. So um, it's pretty pretty rare for 13 years to have a member, a brother of the same family playing on the same basketball team. And what is going on? Like, give us a break. Okay. I love it. I love that family. And, um, it's so there's to put into context, there's eight boys in the family. And, uh, I got the privilege of playing with three of the older boys at some point. Okay. And now I've gotten the privilege of coaching three of the younger ones. Yep. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I've been around them for a long time. That's awesome though. That's, that's a good, it's a good problem to have. So um, what are you, what do you got And Brian? You probably, you know, you'll know the answer to this. Maybe, maybe a little bit better than Colin, but Colin, you, maybe things are a little more fresh in your mind since you're younger, but Brian, what do you think some of the differences are in players now versus when you played in high school? Yeah, I think, uh, I'll go back to one of the points I mentioned earlier. I think one of the biggest I've known is just the advancements in technology. There's so many more draws on the kids' time and just how they allocate it. I mean, we all have 24 hours in our day, so it's just how you spend it. Uh, it's just what I've noticed is it's just that technology, piece, which it's a great option to have. It's just how you use it. But I've noticed a lot of kids, uh, that just seems to be a draw for them. And so when you talk about, you know, downtime, what do you do? We grew up, you know, I played soccer and basketball. I always had a ball either on my foot or in my hand where now it's just, it's just a different, and I didn't have the draw these kids have. So it's hard to say I wouldn't have done the same, but there's definitely that to me is the biggest factor. Okay. All right. Colin, what, are, what do you see? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with what Brian mentioned. I, I think when the question comes up, like, how is it different now? I, I do think it's easy to criticize. I think there's always going to be a sense from older people that like thinks it's, it's not as good now as it once was. Um, we hear that a lot and, and I think it's natural, but yeah, I just, I don't think that's always fair to, to these guys coming in. Um, I, I do think it's different, uh, but maybe that's not always a bad thing, right? Like, there, like Brian mentioned, there may be more priorities you know, competing for guys' time and attention. And maybe guys might be more interested in, say, getting a job or pursuing some other interest or, or hobby or sport. Um, and I think, too, it's it sometimes can be hard to put your finger on how things like COVID or social media or politics are, are shaping them as well. So I definitely think that what they value is, is different now. And we have to be, in my opinion, open to that and adapting to that. For example, they, they might not be spending the summer working on their game because of work or, or other interests. And, but maybe that's okay. Like maybe they're, maybe they're doing something right. Um, I, think it's I think it's good to encourage them to, say, work on their game. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, trying not to pressure them if that's not truly where their interests lie. So it's, it's really a tough balance, um, but it, it certainly is different overall. Yeah, I agree with you both. And I think what is going to make us good coaches in the end is to adapt our coaching styles and how we coach to fit the kind of athlete that we're getting, regardless of what kind of athlete that is, right? I mean, we're, we have to play with the hand that we're dealt. We can't always change that or fix it uh, if we feel like it's broken, which it, it probably isn't. Like Colin said, it's just different um, so in some good ways and some not so good ways. So um, great points from both of you. All right. Shifting a little bit to actual like basketball here. Um, Colin, tell us about one of your biggest coaching challenges, whether it's a season that you had to deal with or a specific game that sticks out in your mind, something that was a challenge that really stretched you as a coach. Well, we could be here all night talking about that. Yeah, uh, every season has its challenges, I'm sure, for you as, as well. Um, I would point to my, my second year of coaching just being so extremely difficult. So we were, like you mentioned, we were fortunate to have a lot of success in my first year. Uh, but coming off of that, we lost two very strong senior leaders. Um, and then into my second year, we had seven players. Three of them were freshmen. Some of them haven't played in two years. We, we had internal player conflict. Uh, we had injuries. We were losing to teams by double digits consistently. So it just was very demoralizing. Uh, it was not fun. Guys didn't want to show up. Uh, they weren't enjoying it. And that was really challenging as a coach to try to keep them motivated. Um, they probably got sick of me just trying to continue to encourage them to not give up, you know, to keep working hard. And that right, ultimately right. these these trials were going to make us stronger, even though we may not see the results this year. Um, we ultimately, we didn't qualify for any of our end of season tournaments. Uh, the season dragged on and we just couldn't wait for it to end. But really, I'm just, I'm so thankful for those guys uh, and what we went through because um, they ultimately responded and they chose to use that as a learning experience and as motivation to work harder and to get better. And then going into my third season um, as coach, they really pushed themselves and turned things around. And uh, had we not gone through that challenging experience together, um, you know, I'm convinced that we would not have had as much success as we did the next year, um, just using that as an opportunity to grow. So it's easy to look back now and kind of see the fruits of that labor, but and in the moment, that was very emotionally and physically draining for everybody. Yeah, you're, that, that's for sure. I remember, um, I think it was when we played you at your place, uh, we were standing over there by the bleachers and you were, you know, reminiscing a little bit about last year and then comparing it to this year. And a comment you made to me that sticks out in my mind, it was, you said the guys are having fun again, like we're having fun again. Mm -hmm. So last year, I could see how that could be draining and just not a good time at all. And you probably were anxious to get to the end, but it was great to see your guys turn it around and, and the success that you enjoyed this season. So good job on that. And good job on your part to keep the guys focused and coming back and just not letting them quit through that adversity, you know? Absolutely. There was one point at the end of that second season where we actually had a choice, like whether we wanted to um, be submitted into the one of the end of season tournaments. And I got a lot of pressure to, to not go forward with that just because of our record and everything. And I said, absolutely not. Like if we have a chance to play, we're, we're doing it because sure. we know we're going to grow and we're going to learn. And it was terrible. We lost by 30 points, but um, I was not about to give up mm -hmm. uh, in any way, shape or form. Right. Right. 
Good, good job. Way to be persistent there. That's great. Brian, what about you? <laughs> yes, our, our challenge was uh, a few years back when we had won the, the championship that season. Uh, you know, we had a pre-season chat, and I'm always big on just trying to stay with the connecting with the guys in the off-season. And so we had a couple of chats, and you know, there was definitely some expectations, but um, our school hadn't won a championship in years. And so you know there was potential there, but obviously potential only goes so far. And so we made it through the season, and um, ironically, every team – that we the only couple of losses we had was all the teams we ended up lining up against in the playoffs, and so uh, we just had to have another family chat and just say, guys, listen, you know, um, the, the potential is there. You know, we were in those games during the regular season, we just didn't get it done. But you know, there were spurts there where you guys showed it. But let's try to bring a complete game, and I actually changed maybe my pregame discussion with those guys and just really simplified it. Because sometimes as a coach, you can almost overwhelm them, right, with just sure. all these yep. different things, offense defense run this run that and sometimes it's just guys this is keep this simple it's basketball you'll love to play the game sure yeah i love the coaching we love being together let's just have some fun and just play and so as we went to the playoffs we matched up against the one team that we lost we beat them and then we matched up against um another team on that friday night and we ended up beating them in double overtime but our guys were exhausted i knew that and so when we hit the Saturday game, we matched up against the team that was undefeated all season. And uh, that was probably the shortest pregame I ever had. And we just said, <laughs> hey, guys, just go have fun. Just yeah. enjoy it, right? I mean, yep. we've not been here in, what, I think almost 30 years since we last won the championship. And I uh, give the guys credit. They just went out there and played um, and just worked hard. And you just saw them come together. And for a couple of those guys, it was probably their best game of their career. Sure. And, uh, you know, just, just pulled it out. And I couldn't have been more proud of them. And just to see the families and all that, you know, all those families, obviously the families put a lot of time in behind the scenes as well to help get those kids where they need to be and all the different things that goes along in the family dynamic. And, uh, yeah, it just it came together. But that was definitely a challenge to just keep guys motivated just because we lost to them the first time doesn't mean we're going to lose again. And just, you know, you kind of almost have to be a cheerleader, so to speak, just to try to keep it as much mental as physical as far as getting prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of, that's a good segue into my next, um, my next question with you, with both of you guys, you know, we've, of the three of us have all coached against each other in big games. Um, Colin, you and I have had some big games this past year, Brian, you and I have had some big games you two have had big games against each other. Uh, so we'll start with you, Colin. What are some things you do to, to help get your guys and keep them focused heading into a big game? Sure. Yeah, it's such a good question. I actually think I'm going to turn the question around a little bit because I really think that it's it's natural for guys to be more focused going into a big game. Like you don't need to remind them. Um, mm -hmm. So to be honest, like where I try to really keep them focused is in the day to day. The yep. next practice, the next game, easy team, harder team, you know, none of that matters. And just focus on the here and now being your best right now. Um, and in my opinion, if you do that for the easy games, then the bigger games will take care of themselves. So it's, it's funny. Sometimes guys get a kick out of like, they'll always ask me like, Hey, uh, yeah, who are we playing next Thursday? And, and I'm just like, focus on the night, like just yep. get through tonight's game and, and let me worry about next week. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's one aspect, but I do think like when it does come time for a bigger game, I really try to get guys to stick to their normal routine, eat normal food, normal times, normal warmups, you know, try to meet as a team at the same times you usually do. Now, obviously it's never that rigid, but 
I just like sticking to a general routine that the guys are familiar with and just trying not to deviate too much from that. That's a great answer. I, I love your comment, you know, um, talking about not worrying so much about the bigger picture, but being focused on the day-to-day things. Um, that's great. That's a great point. And there's, there's probably a great spiritual application to make there as well. Uh, Brian, what about you? Yeah, it's funny that Colin almost verbatim, right? I, I've always been a believer. You just you try to keep it even, right? Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And I, I feel like if your players are engaged and are aware of, you know, especially once you get into the season, right? You start seeing, okay, this team's one game above us. This team's one below us, right? The guys in, in their own way sense and know. And so I've actually learned in the beginning, I would call it out in my career. I'd say, oh, guys, this is – and I learned you almost freak them out and you almost cause more harm than good. And so yeah. I just learned to say, hey, guys, listen, we got so-and-so tomorrow night. Here's what we're doing in practice today and in the pregame. Okay, we got a game tonight. And you just don't pump it up too much and you just let it. Now, I will say there's been times during a game – where you can see that they're a little on edge where you have to almost call it out at a timeout. <laughs> but before a game during the season, I rarely make any type of a, 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 a you know, any an excitement or any type of like, wow, we're playing these guys. It's just next man up, next team up, whatever the case might be. And just try to keep it low key because some of these guys, you kind of, you might lose them if you get it too, too wild, so to speak. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I find with my guys, all I have to say is Upper Bucks or Westchester, and all of a sudden they're up for that game. So you guys bring out you guys bring out the competitiveness in them for sure. <laughs> but um, no, that's good. Good answer on both your parts. Um, I love rivalries. I I think we have good rivalries with um, you, Brian, at Bucks. Colin, obviously, we've had some great games with you guys um, in the last few years. Um, I know. Two years ago, you guys beat us at the buzzer in the semifinal game. Um, by one point, it was that was an awesome game. And we've had some battles throughout the years, all of us. Um, what are some ways that we as coaches can encourage healthy rivalries on the court, but foster good relationships off the court between players and schools? And Brian, I guess we'll start with you. Yeah, so I, I grew up in the league playing in the league and then um, obviously I've coached through the league. My kids have played through the league. So, you know, I've I've appreciated the competitiveness, but also the friendships that I've seen develop through my family. And so I've tried to encourage my guys, listen, you know, we're might be competing on the playing surface, but outside of that, these are brothers and sisters that like athletics have a common faith. And so they're sitting there working on, you know, the same challenges that you are, you all are going through the same things, the same stages Mm -hmm. of life. So I try to encourage them to be like, Hey, listen, I get it. You're competitive, but afterwards reach out to them. I mean, some of these kids, they're playing in the same leagues together. You know, they might work the same jobs together. Like don't hold that against them or hold it over them. If you want, or if you're lost, build that friendship. Because I can tell you, I've got friends now that were friends in high school but on the playing surface. We right. couldn't have been fiercer, but we also realized and appreciated that there was more to it than just the athletic part. Absolutely. Yep. Nope. That's a great point. Um, I, I enjoy uh, after the game, watching our guys interact together. Um, Colin, I've seen it at your place. I've seen it at Bucks. 
even recently at the KCEA tournament, you know, you guys had a tough game after the game. My guys are out there with your guys taking pictures of each other and, you know, hugging and all that stuff. So it's good to see that the guys can be competitive on the court and just duke it out and battle it out there. But once the game is over, um, there seems to be an appreciation and a, and a friendship there. So, um, Colin, what are your thoughts on that? I literally have a picture on my phone. Somehow I got roped into taking a picture of all like the senior guys from your school, from, from my school. Um, I was just, was around and they, they had me snap that. So I actually still have that on my phone. Nice. Yeah. Um, it goes right to the point. So, yeah, I, I really think like one key point is, is getting guys or, you know, trying to encourage guys to play with the right attitude. And there's a difference between having a rivalry that stems from bad blood and bad attitudes towards each other. And then a rivalry that stems from great competition, playing at a high level um, and playing in the right way. So, I mean, I can't take credit for, I mean, I have great guys, but I really try to encourage them both to um, play hard and play right. Um, There's a lot of things in sports that are just out of your control, um, but you just need to focus on the things that you can control. Um, I try, I try my best not to make it about like, beating the other team, um, but like more about just being the best version of you. Um, and obviously it's, it's been echoed here. You know, we, we certainly love playing uh, both your teams and I know you love playing us because we know we're going to get a great game every single time, great effort, but also good attitude. Um, and if we can do that right. Yeah. I really think that we've set an example um, in that way and how to foster really good competitive rivalries, uh, but also, um, friendships off the court. Yeah, definitely. You both make excellent points. Um, I have appreciated getting to know both of you guys in the, um, time that we've been able to spend together coaching and then, you know, talking at games and tournaments and stuff like that. So I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Um, before we leave here tonight though, I want to get a prediction from each one of you about the Sixers and the Celtics, uh, matchup that's going on right now. It's two to two. The Sixers won a tough one today in overtime. Colin, what's the rest of the series going to look like? Well, coming into the the game, into game four, they had mentioned that the Sixers have been trailing for 89% of the uh, the time in the series so far. I mean, I'm a huge Sixers fan. I don't know. My, my hopes are not up. Uh, I think Celtics <laughs> in seven, but obviously I, I don't hope that that happens. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Brian, what about you? What are your predictions? Yeah, I'm going to be the typical Sixers fan and believe that we'll pull this out, but I think it's going to go seven games. I don't see it going any shorter. It just seems like um, the tough part to me is going to be uh, we just we struggle in this matchup for some reason, and I feel like if, if we can just get Embiid and Harden playing consistently, you really don't need maybe a Max here or Tobias, you know, giving you some some points and a little bit off the bench, but um, it just seems like we go through spurts where we just can't hit a shot, so if we can just, I think consistently knock down shots offensively, I think we'll pull it out in seven. So Sixers and seven. All right. Well, I'm going to go against the grain here and, and I'm going to say Celtics in six. Uh, I think we're going back to Boston. I think we can win the next two games. Um, but who knows, who knows what will happen. Um, but anyways, listen, hey, wait, been, wait, wait a second. What do you yeah. mean? We, are you a Boston fan? I am. I am a Boston fan. I mean, I was born and raised in new England. Uh, those are my roots. So 
I was actually I was actually talking to Colin before you got on here. I said, man, I'm a Celtics fan, but I do I really do like the Sixers. I grew up liking the Sixers. Um, it was great. Did you guys see the shots of Dr. J today up at the booth um, watching the game? It was, it was awesome to see him there. Uh, but yeah, I'm a Celtics fan. Uh, I'll come out on on the air and say that to the world. So um, anyways, to wrap things up here, it's great to have you guys on the show. I appreciate you as, as coaches, but I appreciate you more as friends. Keep up the good work and we'll see you guys around. All right. Thanks for having us on, Matt. I really appreciate it. It was awesome. Let's do this again. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. And I hope everybody enjoyed listening to today's episode of The Real Game. To wrap it up today, I'd like to read you a section from a motivational strategies booklet on the Proactive Coaching website. And it says this. Correction during competition often needs to be immediate, but never needs to be impulsive. No matter how immediate, it should be well thought out and simply repeat phrases or terminology that has already been taught in practice. Athletes should be hearing correction during competition that is rationally thought out. Corrections can be energetic and aggressive, but should be based on fact and not feeling. Play and coach with emotion, but don't let emotion play you. So good luck, coaches, and coach on.